Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome back to the Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com. SB Nation's home for Group of Five football. Joe Lonergan and Eric Henry here with you as always. Excited to have another special guest on for you today. He is the head coach of the Western Kentucky University football program. They're the defending CUSA East Division champs, and uh, we're excited to see what they do following a uh, record-breaking offensive year uh, for them. Uh, Mr. Tyson Helton, uh, coach, so excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And, you know, Eric, it's funny. We were probably one of the ones, one of the first ones to jump on the uh, Bailey Zappi for Heisman campaign uh, last season. So excited to, I mean, for at least part of this conversation here, talk a little bit about uh, what happened in 2021 for uh, that offense. Yeah, yeah so, you know, just to. No, I, I was just going to say, you got me so excited about y'all were the first to jump on the bandwagon. I was, <laughs> I was right there with you pumping my fiscal and vote for Bailey Zappi. Uh, no, but it was a spectacular year and obviously led by Bailey and uh, put up some great numbers. And, and uh, so, you know, it was a really exciting year and hopefully we can keep that going. Yeah, Joe, I'll, I'll just piggyback off what Coach said. Obviously, you know, covering FIU for SB Nation, Underdog Dynasty, had a chance to see Bailey Zappi when they came down here to South Florida, and then I also covered the Boca Raton Bowl. So I had a chance to see the, the actual record-breaking performance. So uh, a lot of a lot of fun getting a chance to watch that offense operate in person. And, and you say the Bailey Zappi for Heisman uh, bandwagon, which we certainly were on. Uh, I, I, you know, you know me well enough to know. I, I actually was among the uh, the Bailey Zappi truthers from back in the HBU days. So I'm sure you'll have a, a couple questions to ask Coach about that. And I'll let you dive into your uh, your line of questioning here. All right, for sure, uh, Coach. Just to kick things off here, I want to talk about the uh, upcoming game this season against Hawaii. Uh, fun fact for those that don't know, you were an assistant coach at the University of Hawaii back in uh, 2000 to 2003. Uh, any, you know underlying excitement there to uh, return to your old stomping grounds from 20 years ago? Yeah, it'll be uh, really cool to get back there. And uh, my time in Hawaii, my wife and I just got married and we moved out there. We called it a four-year honeymoon. It was a fantastic experience. It was my first time to be a coach and got to work with one of the best in the business, June Jones, and learn the run and shoot and kind of just get entrenched in the passing game and, and uh, learn so much from him and made so many special friends and great memories. And what's really cool is, you know, a lot of the guys that I coached or, you know, I wasn't much older those guys when they were playing, but I think of Timmy Chang, who's the head coach there now and Nick Rolovich, who was the prior head coach, you know, all those guys were, were on that staff and, I think Timmy's hired a couple of the former players as well. So it'll be really neat to go back and get a chance to see everybody. And at the end of the day, though, got to stay focused and uh, make sure we don't get any jet lag. That's the the one thing when you go to Hawaii, 
you know, they, they got a little bit of advantage. Uh, they like to play in the evening, which I don't blame them. And anything past uh, 24 hours, that jet lag starts to hit you. So we got to we gotta do a good job of being ready for that. Absolutely. And it's funny how things come full circle in this business. You mentioned coaching guys like Timmy Chang and, and that sort of thing. Um, Coach, coming back to Western Kentucky after being a coordinator on some of their best teams of the FBS era, uh, at least in the minds of fans, uh, you know, looking back at 2014, 2015, et cetera. Uh, what was the feeling like for you returning to be a head coach on the Hill? Just so excited. You know, when I was here before and Jeff Brown was the head coach, and it, you know, we kind of found lightning in a bottle there with, with some spectacular teams and won a couple championships. And again, um, we loved the Bowling Green community so much and loved the university so much. And, told my wife uh, when we were leaving, I, I took the job out at USC in Southern California. I said, you know, if I ever had an opportunity to come back here, I, I would. And, uh, you know, fortunes have it that three years later, the opportunity comes to be the head coach here. And so I jumped at that chance and um, it's been a fun ride. And, and I think we're scratching the surface of what we can be. Um, obviously, every year is a new year. And you know, you got to be able to compete with some really competitive teams in our league and Conference USA. But, uh, you know, this is a special place and you can do a lot of great things here. So I'm really, really blessed to be the head football coach here. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, positioning Bowling Green as this special place. And I'm curious how you were able to make WKU a destination for recruits uh, from places like Texas, California, Washington, you know, the way that you guys did for Bailey Zappi, for example. Well, you know, I think if you look at it, and I've been in the, my whole life, I've been in football, college football as a player and, you know, as a coach. And my father was a long time NFL and college coach. My brother's a college coach. I've just been around the profession for a long time, seen a lot of universities. And when you talk about the group of five, um, you know, this is one of the few places that you really truly get a true college experience, a great college atmosphere, a beautiful campus, um, a great college town. Uh, you get to play a high level of football. You get to have a meaningful degree. So there's a lot of boxes that you check there. So when we bring recruits to campus, they're, they're so taken back by, you know, this is kind of like being on an SEC type atmosphere, you know, from how pretty the campus is, how the community backs us, um, you know, all those things. And so I think we're a little different than some of the other schools that we're competing with on, on all the things I just mentioned. And so we're able to recruit nationally. And uh, our biggest thing is just getting the recruits here because once they get on campus, it's a pretty impressive place. So. And uh, we've had a lot of success um, in those areas that you mentioned. Yeah, for sure. And looking at recruiting locally as well, um, you have somebody like Caden Veltkamp, who's a local product coming in. Uh, Western is, of course, known for having you know guys come through some of the other high schools in, in Kentucky and Warren County specifically. Uh, Joel Yabe anyway comes to mind um you know how how in your mind has Western been able to like establish themselves as you know the place that does such a great job of getting local talent to stay home when a lot of other G5 schools have trouble with that well I think you know the biggest thing is is winning number one and, and putting a product on the field that people want to watch and be entertained by and you know, in the community here um you know western is a, is a good viable option and 
you know, if you look at the schools in our state, you have University of Kentucky and University of Louisville that, you know, two power five schools that, you know, we compete with. And you kind of the saying here in Kentucky is, you know, you know, you might be a Louisville fan, you might be a Kentucky fan, you know, you got to pick one of those two schools, but everybody is a Western Kentucky fan in this state. And so I think we got a little bit of advantage there. You know, you might, they might pull for the for the Cardinals or, you know, they might pull for Kentucky, but they're definitely pulling always for Western Kentucky. And so, you know, we just in the community have a good presence. Um, we have great people here on campus. We have great leadership here with our athletic director, Todd Stewart, and our president, uh, Tim Caboni. And so, you know, people just, uh, they want to be here. And so it's a good viable option. And uh, that's why we've had success in recruiting locally here and in state. That's such a, it's it's certainly not a bad thing, but it seems like it's such an odd phenomenon to have a G5 school in a state like Kentucky, where, as you said, there are these two other power five programs, but you also have this program in Western that's so universally loved. And I'm, have you ever seen anything like that before? I know you're a pretty well-traveled guy. No, I haven't. I'll be honest with you. It's very unique. Um, you know, you think of the state of Texas or the state of Florida. I mean, you got to declare ties to somebody. Um, you know, very, very rarely do you get to see people in a state that say, yeah, you know, we, we back this school. Yeah, they may support other schools, but um, that but this is a school we're proud of and we support this school. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I've been around it uh, my whole life, and, and this is uh, kind of the exception to the rule. And I think that's why we've had the success we've had. Coach, I want to get back to the uh, quarterback room here. I know people are going to be watching that on pins and needles following the, again, fantastic season that uh, Bailey Zappi and that offense had. Um you have Jarrett Dagey, who came in from Western uh, from West Virginia. You also have a Caden Veltkamp, like I said. You have a few other names in there that are, uh, you know, could be uh, viable contributors in you know the next year or two. Um, so, how do you, as a leader, coach up that quarterback room uh, who have to follow, you know, in the shadow of what Bailey Zappi did last year? Well, I think you know the the number one thing as a head coach is to make sure that you're your whole talent as a team that you're maximizing that talent and you have to recreate yourself every year. You know, you don't just go completely away from what you are, but you, you play to the strengths of what you have and, and every quarterback that plays for you, you know, you got to go to his strengths. And fortunately for us, we're, we're really excited about the, the quarterback room and what the future holds there. Uh, allows us offensively to not have to change a lot of what we do. But at the same time, we have to play to the strengths of of who is playing quarterback. And, uh, you know, the thing that will be unique for us this year is um, depending on who that person is, um, you know, we're we're very – we we have a lot of dimensions offensively. Let me just say that. So – you know, we can throw it or we can run it or we can do the quarterback run game if we need to. And so um, really just comes down to play into those strengths. But, you know, to really answer your question, excited about that room. You know, I thought Jared Daigie had a really good spring. Uh, we brought in another transfer uh, in the name of Austin Reed out of West Florida. Um, you know, he won a Division II championship there. I think he's a guy that could, could come in and compete and push for that job as well. And then 
like you mentioned, you know, you got some young guys back behind. There's a Caden Val Camp and a Darius Ocean and a Chance McDonald and and a young Turner Helton. He's got a good last name. So, uh, you know, you got some guys in there that can compete and the future's looking bright for that room for sure. I think a lot of folks have that same feeling looking at the talent in that room. Uh, and then last question before I turn it over to Eric, I want to ask you about the offensive line. Uh, obviously this past off season, um, following on, you know, the strong season that that group had last season did have some, uh, some folks transferring out, uh, did have some, some big names transferring in as well. Vinnie Murphy from South Carolina comes to mind. Um, coach as you know, an offensive minded guy, how do you help, you know, your offensive line to create that all important chemistry, especially in a system that is as fast paced as yours? Well, I think, you know, we really hang our hat on having great offensive line play. You know, my father was a long time, uh, NFL offensive line coach and I thought he was the best in the business and you know it, we have a lot of honor in protecting the quarterback and it really starts with the offensive line and we spend a ton of time with our guys and training them and, and so much film study and you know we're not a simple system you know I think if you have the ability as an offensive lineman to play at the next level you, you're going to be NFL ready just because of what we ask you to do but um, you know we're really looking for guys that are smart athletic good men um, you know you don't have to be a big six foot six 320 pound guy you know I, I really like the guys that are you know the six three six four bodies that we can build up and smart men that are athletic that can move and have good balance and so those are the things we look for and we just build those guys up and you know, last year was probably the best year I've ever been associated with an offensive line group. I mean, for the amount of times we threw the football um, and the number of sacks we gave up is just tremendous. And, you know, some of that has to do with Bailey, but a large portion of that had to do with those starting five men up front. And very, very special group. And, you know, I think we got some guys coming in. We'll get most of those guys back. We got a replace two of the tackles but really really like who those new guys are going to be and so i think we'll play at a high level again in that position as well eric i've said it once i've said it before you want the true renaissance men of a football team check the offensive line room <laughs> i'd expect nothing less from a former offensive lineman uh coach i actually plan to start in a different direction but i want to piggyback off what joe said in terms of uh offensive line play and as you mentioned your father kim a long time NFL uh, assistance on the offensive line. And I feel like you're the a great person to ask this question, considering you've coached, you know, not just at the G5 level, but at the power five level. So forgive me. It's somewhat of a nuanced question, but I, I promise there's a question in here somewhere. Um, you mentioned some of the offensive linemen you lost, you know, Mason Brooks, Cole Spencer. If you look at conference USA as a whole, I, I think the number is eight offensive linemen from teams last year are now playing in, in power five schools. Uh, you know, the, the team I cover in FIU lost two to power five schools. Two part question, coach. One is what, what do you kind of make of that? Is, is, is it just one of those things where there's always going to be a premium on offensive line play? And as a result, you know, guys from the you know the group of five may end up matriculating to the power five. And the second part of that question is this, is it, is it just, is it that hard, um, or I shouldn't say that hard, but is it harder to to assess offensive line play coming out of high school because, you know, you have differences in coaching and things of that nature where maybe guys just need a year or two of seasoning at, at 
the division one level before you get a better read of, of who they are as players. Well, you know, you hit a topic that I love to talk about. And uh, obviously it's a hot topic with the transfer portal and NIL and where is college football going? And, you know, I'm probably, your question was long-winded. I'm going to probably give a long-winded answer just because there's so many dimensions of it that I love to talk about. But, uh, you know, I guess it starts with the, the, now that we have the transfer portal and you use the word premium, not only O-line, but big men in general are going to be a premium. Your O-line and D-line, I mean, it is going to be highly, highly competitive in in college football. And you're going to see a lot of uh, transfers in that area just because you can't, doesn't matter what football team, Power 5, Group 5, doesn't matter. But you're going to have to have a good loaded room every year. And um, some schools, you know, they may know a guy – he may not – he's not coming there to start, but he adds depth, and they know halfway through the season they may need this guy. And so I think you, that's why you're seeing so much transition right now with big men in the offensive defensive line is, you know, teams are trying to stack up as much as they can to get through long football seasons because if you don't have the big men up front in the trenches, you're not going anywhere. And so you're going to continue to see a lot of transition in college football in a transfer portal in those two areas. But um, as far as the recruiting piece of it, for, for me, it goes back to what, what I've talked about is um, I've had so many guys that were maybe he's a 6'4", 250-pound tight end um, or a defensive end that, you know, he's a good uh, body, but he's a light body. He's not quite developed yet, good frame. And maybe, you know, the power fives of the world, they just don't have time to develop that guy. You know, But you know in two years he's going to be a good football player. I can't tell you how many players that I've been associated with that move on to the NFL that they just needed that two years to develop. And uh, I think the one that played here, the ex-basketball player, George Fant, you know, playing with the New York Jets, you know, basketball guy was a lean guy that developed into being a really good left tackle, you know. Um, And, we, you know, but we've had a lot of those bodies. But what's going to be tough is you develop those bodies, and then two years later those young men are going to have to make decisions. Do, you know, am I staying here or am I trying to go play at the power five level? And, And that's okay. You know, it's just part of the world we live in. So long as we're doing our job and I'm doing my job and, we're doing a good job recruiting. Um, I kind of really like the game of recruiting. I, I like we get to have control now uh, of the roster, and, and it's kind of like the NFL. You know, you, you, NFL, you got a 52-man roster that you can recreate every year. Well, now in college football, you have an 85-man roster that you get to recreate, and you really don't have any excuses to say, well, we don't have this guy or we lost that guy because everybody's in the same boat. And so you just got to keep flipping stones over and looking under every rock and have plan A, B, C, and D and really be able to project. And if you do those things, you're, you're going to win and uh, you're always going to be a leader in the game, you know? Um, and so that, that, this topic, that's a great question. It's a topic that I love to talk about because I think, you know, there's there's a lot of good with all this newness that we're uh, having in college football. There's a, there's a lot of bad 
And I think, though, once we get through this transition period in college football and things start to settle a little more, I think once a college athlete gets a little more educated about the process of the portal and what happens and, you know, they get more uh, informed, they don't just make brash decisions, um, I think at the end of the day our, our game can get stronger. Absolutely, Coach. And like I said, I appreciate the answer because I, it just was something that, that you know, quite frankly, just seeing the amount of, as you mentioned, big men um, who have transitioned to the Power Five schools, it's been really fascinating to watch. So I, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to answer that question. But throw this at you. I had a chance to ask you this um, at Conference USA Media Days entering your first year of 2019. And just was talking about, you know, kind of what you had to expect as as a first time head coach. And you, you talked about, of course, you know, growing up in a coaching family. You know, you, you, you've been around coaches your entire life and felt you had a lot of experience. But you also mentioned, you know, hey, you know, maybe you asked me this during the season. I, I might <laughs> I might have some things I say, hey, next time I might do this a little bit better. So my question, coach, is what's something it doesn't have to be one thing, but what's a, a thing or two that you would tell y- yourself? then that you wish you knew that you know now um i would say it, it, it's um one two things that i've confirmed that i wasn't sure of when i became a head coach whether that was going to be i was going to have success doing it or not but i i was going to do it my way i was going to succeed or fail my way and i and when i became a head football coach um that's all I ever heard of coming up as an assistant is when you get this opportunity, do it your way. Try to you be you is, is, as they say. And, you know, my biggest thing that I made a decision to do when I became a head football coach is it was always going to be about people first. It's going to be about great people, great individuals, great character people, uh, whether that's a staff member, coach, a player, Anybody that's associated in your organization, in your program, it starts with the person first. And if you have that, it establishes a great culture. And I was very fortunate to have a lot of great people from the players to the coaches, support staff, administration. And I just saw what that does for you. And because you have a lot of hard days and, and when you face those hard days, you know, everybody's pulling in the same direction. and um, so that really confirmed the, the validity there for me. The second thing was surround myself with as, as many smart people that are smarter than me. You know, um, I did not want to make the mistake of thinking I had all the answers because that's kind of my nature. You know, I'm, I'm the person who likes to be the problem solver. I like to be the guy that has the answers. And what I found out is, you don't need to be that person all the time. If you have a very, very talented staff and smart people with great character and you let those people do their job, you're going to have success. And probably those are the two biggest things that I took away from when I was a new head coach to now, looking back three years later, uh, very, very happy that, you know, I, I made those decisions to go in that, in that way. Um, because there's no question in my mind that that makes a big difference in a program. All right, coach. So that's it for my long winded questions. Uh, I have a few that are pretty direct. I want to ask you about your, your returning tight end, Josh Simon, obviously was, you know, got banged up last year, missed the majority of the year, but when he's been healthy, he's been one of the better tight ends in conference USA. Just talk about him a little bit. Yeah. Excited to get Josh back. Unfortunately had that injury right in the uh, first game of the season, had a great first game and, 
we thought he just had a little knee bruise and he ended up hurting his knee and was out for the for the year had to have surgery and uh really excited to get him back he's he's healthy now he's running like a deer he's you know he looks great and uh so he'll be a huge part of the offense again this year and just can't say enough about josh and i mentioned earlier about people he's just a great person and great family and so i know he's anxious to get back on the field as well and i I think he'll be one of the top players in conference usa when the season's over with gonna switch to the defensive side of the ball and ask you about two guys who you know monks among your top defensive players last year juan jones and Jaden hunter just talk about them a little bit and the role they'll they'll help in obviously filling the void that you lose with d'angelo malone obviously going to the nfl yeah great leadership there you know juan's been here for a long time really the backbone of our defense um you know he's gonna get a masters and you know an educator and and you know just really perfect example of student athlete you know and just very proud of him and really gonna lean heavily on him uh this year you know he was a leader for us last year but you also had d'angelo and a couple other guys and he's kind of that main guy for us now so um, that was, you know, that he needs to have a really, really big year. We'll be leaning on him. Great to have Jaden Hunter, you know, very consistent guy, very, very talented player. Um, another guy that we'll be counting on this year. And, and you can do a lot of different things with Jaden and, and uh, put him in a lot of different positions. He's played a lot of different positions. And what we're doing defensively, he fits really, really well for us. Again, if you just join us, we are joined by Western Kentucky head coach Tyson Helton's 23 and 16, entering his fourth year, two bowl wins, and of course the division title last year. Coach, got a couple more for you. We'll get you out of here. Well, want to ask you in terms of recruiting, as you talk about really enjoying the aspect of recruiting. Uh, just curious, how often does the talk of conference realignment come up in recruiting? I know for guys like you know us media guys, we, we talk about it all the time, but. Is that something that recruits are interested in when you you go and pitch West Kentucky? Are they are they concerned what conference you're in, or is it just you know matter of going and playing ball? It used to be that way. That was I wouldn't say that was one of the main things. You know, uh, really for a recruit, it was about opportunity and all those things. But before the portal and NIL and all those things, um, it played a little more. I don't think it does anymore. I think like what I mentioned earlier, players are getting more educated. And they're really trying to establish themselves in the best platform to showcase their talents so that they might have an opportunity to be a professional player. And so I I think you're going to see more and more of the players picking schools based upon the need there for them and their talents. And uh, so I think it was that way, but not as much anymore. Does it, if you're going head to head with a school, you know, you're a group of five going against a power five. Power five is going to have a little bit of an advantage, but we've won a couple of those battles just because of the opportunity piece and, you know, particularly what we do offensively. So, you know, I think as time passes, you're going to see more and more uh, recruits pick schools because of the opportunity there. Two more for you, Coach. We'll get you out of here. For regular listeners of our show, they know we like to end on a fun note. You know, I have a couple fun questions here. So I'm going to start with a, a good friend of our podcast, and that's Jared McDonald, the, the Bowling Green Daily News there. I uh, want to ask you about your relationship with Jared a little bit. And he mentioned, I'm going to try to recall this story from memory, so forgive me if I don't have it correct. But I, he, he mentioned a time where I think you gave him a bit of a hard time because he, he showed up to a 
to, you know, might've been a presser in, I don't know if it was a cowboy hat or boots. And he just, you know, mentioned that you gave him a bit of a hard time. So you just talk about Jared a little bit. No, Jared's a great guy. Uh, does a fantastic job covering our program. Really does a great job for Bowling Green Daily News. Um, great personality, you know, very easy going. So it's, it's, it's very easy to, you know, kind of go back and forth with him a little bit. And, uh, you know, he's very fair. Um, reporter he, but he does ask all the right questions and he asks the tough questions but very very fair and so you know um that's where you you get a little bit of that jabbing here back and forth but uh very very glad he's he's covering us that's for sure no coach i'll, I'll let you in here i you know i beating couldn't you know let him go without asking that question the the day before the uh the fiu game of course last year you guys were down here in south florida you know he and uh, Tyler Mansfield, of course, used to cover Western Kentucky. We we uh, right. met him for for a beverage, but you know those two gentlemen, uh, in, in being in the heart of Miami, now you know away from the tourist section on South Beach, but even in the heart of Miami, stood out like sore thumbs. You know, with their uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I had to give those guys a hard time. Here's the, the last one for you, Coach. We'll, we'll get you out of here again. Another fun question. You've had the opportunity, you know, again as as Joe mentioned to coach in, in Hawaii. You know, you spent time in at UAB and Memphis, uh, you know, I have to spend time in LA and Tennessee. We're going to exclude Bowling Green here. Cause I, I don't want to put you on the spot there, but outside of Bowling Green, Kentucky, where are some of the, the, the top places that you've had a meal to eat, uh, you know, best food, best, you know, cuisine and your, uh, your, your journey in coaching. Oh, that's probably Memphis. Memphis barbecue is really good. The, the dry rub ribs in Memphis are spectacular. Um, Birmingham has great barbecue. I think a full moon barbecue in in in, in uh, Birmingham, and they're not even the number one. Um, I'm missing the number one that's world famous there. But uh, man, I've had so many good places to eat, and all my stops too have all had good barbecue. You know, Knoxville, Tennessee has really good barbecue. You know, I played college ball at uh, University of Houston. And uh, you don't get better than Texas brisket there. So, you know, I've had some good food everywhere I went. You know, Hawaii, you know, the plate lunches there are fantastic. So, yeah, everywhere I've been, it's been been some pretty good food. I haven't been real big on the uh, – what's the chili up there in Cincinnati? Uh, good. Yeah, Skyline. Yeah, it's good. I'm not. I'm not cutting it at all. I've just had a lot of good chili in my life. So uh, when I had the skyline, I just thought it was good, you know, but uh, that would probably be the only one that I'd say that uh, I'm not a, not a huge skyline chili guy. There you go, Joe. We got to vote for, uh, for Texas barbecue. Of course, I certainly am a fan, you know, shout out to Rudy's barbecue whenever they have it there at CUSA media day. So definitely hoping to get that back in person for the, uh, at least the free meal and some Texas barbecue, Joe. You always got to bring up food at lunchtime, right? When I'm just on the edge of hunger pangs, man, come on now. But no, I mean, uh, skyline uh, opinions aside, uh, coach can't thank you enough for your time today. And uh, want to say thank you as well to the folks listening uh, at underdog dynasty on Twitter at J O E H I O underscore and at Eric C Henry underscore. We'll be back next week with uh, more CUSA talk uh, should have some more fun guests from the CUSA sphere coming on as well. Uh, but happy football watching and we will talk to you very soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. 